I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, We are coming to wrap up the close of the Sermon on the Mount. And something we have to keep in mind as we go through this is Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is one message. And a lot of times we can take bits and pieces of messages like this and use them um, in the proper context is completely fine. But we have to remember that all three of these chapters are laid out in one message. So we are going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter 7, starting in verse 13. But as we begin this last section that we'll be in for the next couple of weeks, Jesus is really asking the question, what are you going to do with me? He's looking at the crowd. He's looking at you. He's looking at me. He's looking at anyone who is making the choice to follow him. And he's saying, what are you going to do with me? Because now Jesus is continuing to tell us that there are really only two options. And starting tonight in just this one small passage that we'll go over tonight, there are four different choices, four different groupings of two that Jesus is saying you're either in this one or you are in this one. We kind of view this as uh, somebody who's very black or white. It's either one way or the other way. And then there's other people who have this gray area and the black and white are much thinner. And if you're like me, you have a huge gray area. But Jesus, very specifically, through the rest of these passages, the rest of chapter 7, he is giving this, it is either this way or this way. To put it bluntly, he's saying there is no third option. You are either trying to build God's kingdom or you are trying to build your own, and there is no middle ground. Now, let's look at the summary up to this point. We started off in chapter 5. And we started with the Beatitudes, and Jesus is continuing saying, blessed are thee. And that blessed means partakers of God's character. If you are poor in spirit, if you uh, humble yourself, then you are this, you are blessed. You are a partaker in God's spirit. And he goes through the different things that we talked about. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are those who are who hunger after thirst and righteousness. All of these things, when we follow and obey them, we are partakers of God's character with him. We follow chapter 5 going into chapter 6, the end of 5 going through 6, where we said, this is really these spiritual disciplines. This is what it is to actually follow after and to grow in our relationship with him, that we follow these personal disciplines in our life. We have time in uh, fellowship, communion, one-on-one time with God, one-on-one time reading his word, fasting, praying, loving, forgiving, all of these characteristics. How we pray is a demonstration of our relationship with God and what we truly seek after. And now as we get into chapter 7 and Jesus is concluding this message He's almost saying, this is how you live when you represent my kingdom. When you follow me, you are to represent my kingdom, and this is how you live. This is how it plays out. But all of these things, 
are a direct reflection of where our heart is. Jesus, and we keep mentioning this over and over again, Jesus is going after their hearts. Jesus is going after your heart. Jesus is going after my heart. He doesn't, he's looking at this crowd of people who for generations, who through their family lineage have claimed that they are God's chosen people. They've gone through the motions. They followed the traditions. They were where they were supposed to be on that time of day or that time of year. They've dressed the way they're supposed to dress. They've done everything in their mindset that makes them a child of God, but yet their hearts were not where that was supposed to be. And we do the exact same thing. We go through the motions. We follow traditions. We make sure we're where we're supposed to be at the right time. We make sure we look right, that we're doing everything we're supposed to do. But Jesus is clearly saying throughout this entire sermon, I want your heart. When your heart truly is following me, everything else falls into place. So let's pick it up, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read, starting verse 13, through the rest of the chapter, but our main focus tonight is going to be verses 13 and 14. Jesus continues, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I can't wait to, in a couple weeks when we conclude. That's the last thing Jesus says. That's the conclusion of his message. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against and beat against that house, and it fell the great crash. All right, folks, I'm out of here. That was it. 
a wonderful ending. <laughs> but we're not there yet. We're in verses 13 and 14. So tonight I want to look at these four different choices of two. Four different choices of two. The first one that Jesus mentions is the wide and narrow gates. The wide and narrow gates. Read verses 13 and 14 with me again. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now there is a theological issue here, and theological discussions, that I want to make clear very early on. Because although most of us, I believe, would say this is what we believe, how we live sometimes represents something differently. The theological issue here is what comes first, the gate or the road? Do we enter through the narrow gate and then we are on the narrow road? Or do we live on the narrow road and at the end of the road, when that road ends, when our life comes to a conclusion, we hope that we've been good enough on the narrow road that we are led in through the narrow gate? The gate comes first. The gatekeeper is Jesus. There is nothing that we can do to be good enough to get through that narrow gate. Jesus accomplished everything that needed to be done for us so that we can have a relationship with him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. We are not good enough. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God in his great mercy sent his son to come and pay the price for our sins, to take our sins to the grave when he died, and then to defeat sin when he rose again. And then 8 and 9, 10, there is nothing that we can do. No matter how good you try to live, you will never do it. It had to be Jesus. He did it. His invitation is always open for you to enter through that gate, to believe that he is who he says he is. The gate is the decision we make to follow Christ or to follow the world. Or the world is just a nice way of saying Satan, the father of lies who always offers and is always giving you this appealing look at how awesome this wide gate is, how awesome this wide road is. I mean, everyone's doing it. He will always appeal to us in our sinful nature with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. From Genesis chapter 3 through the entire Bible, through our entire lives until Jesus comes, Satan will always offer us what our sinful hearts desire. He will always offer us that wide gate that is just so easy to open, that wonderful wide highway. That's so easy to travel on. The road is what happens on earth. But the decision of the road we travel has eternal ramifications. Notice at the end of every one of these passages that we just read through, he talks about being thrown into the fire. To depart from him, he never knew you that the house fell with a great crash. Everything looks right. Everything seems to go right. But there are eternal ramifications at the end of the road. Now that narrow 
um, has with it this idea of constraint and hardship. Um, not a highway. This would be a, seems like a road. I don't know if you've ever driven down. I heard this interesting uh, statistic. If you go down 61 like you're going to West Ashley, the speed limit's 55 miles per hour. Uh, now, I just drove down there the other day for the first time in a long time. They've cleared a lot of trees. What they found is on a two-lane road with a 55-mile-per-hour speed limit, if you let the trees grow and cover the road with the overhang, people barely ever actually go 55 miles an hour. There's something about in your mindset of, I can't actually go that fast even though it's 55. Now watch, they change the speed limit to 40, and all of you are going to get speeding tickets checking it out this week. But when you go down, say, 26, or when I lived in bigger cities and you had these massive 8, 12 lanes, and you just floor it. It is wide open, especially if it's at a time of day when there's not many cars on the road. I mean, not me specifically, other people that drive like that. And that's kind of the, the, what we're seeing is on this narrow road, you have to go carefully. You have to have a mindset of something might jump out from behind a tree and you've got to be ready for it. How fast can you actually stop? But on the highway, it's full throttle. It looks great. You have six lanes on each side to see if a deer is crossing the road. But the wide represents the more popular way. The wide represents the easy way. It's what everybody else is doing. It's comfortable. So this first choice, Jesus is saying, are you going to go through the wide gate? Are you going to enter into this wonderful road through this gate? that Satan is just offering you everything to get you on it? Or are you going to go through the narrow gate that doesn't always appeal to us as mankind because our pride wants us to say, no, I did this. It's up to me. It is my choice. When in reality, everything was done by Jesus. Jesus accomplished everything, and he welcomes us into the narrow way. The second set of tune that we're going to see is the hard way or the easy way. The hard way or the easy way. And it is very deceiving. Jesus calls us to live in a way the world doesn't understand. For instance, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Live sacrificially. The world, maybe you've seen this a hundred times today or listened to it, some type of ad. You deserve the best. You're amazing. Look what you've accomplished. You deserve it. Buy our product. We are told over and over and over again, we deserve the easy way. We deserve what is best for us. Jesus came to earth, was rejected by almost everybody to the point where they murdered him, becoming the ultimate sacrifice for us, and he said, live like me. He said, live sacrificially. Again, that looks difficult. That is difficult. And we have to continually keep those eternal ramifications in mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Live as a sacrifice. Everything that we are, everything that we have is to be sacrificially given to God on a daily basis. Uh, John 15, starting verse 18, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, do what I do. And, by the way, the world will hate you. The world will reject you. And speaking 
specifically to his disciples and those that would follow all these thousands of years later, they will, to his disciples, kill you. All of you will be killed by human hands because you're following after me. And then so many people, even today, who choose to follow God, we've talked about it before, we didn't mention it the last two weeks when we were doing baptisms, a lot of people get baptized and never make it back to dry land because the village is waiting for them to make that commitment and then they kill them. That happens almost every day somewhere in the world. When you choose to follow Jesus, the world will hate you. Jesus promised this to his followers. But I can't wait to get here in a couple weeks, Matthew chapter 11, and by a couple weeks, I mean months. Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28, Jesus says, and I love these first three words, come to me. That's that open invitation we just talked about. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It sounds difficult when we say to live sacrificially. It sounds difficult when we say we follow Jesus and the world will hate us. But yet Jesus is saying, enter into this yoke. This yoke, if you don't know, is what they would put around two oxen, equally paired oxen, to do different work around the yard, farm, land, whatever it is, normally to plow. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm Jesus and I'm offering you to enter into this yoke with me. We are not equally yoked with Jesus. If you have one big ox and one small ox, one will pull the other one where it wants to go, and your fields will look terrible. But Jesus is saying, enter into this yoke, meaning that there is some sort of responsibility and work required by us, but that he's doing it all. He came, lived perfect, became the ultimate sacrifice, took our punishment, was killed, rose again. He did it all. And he's saying, in me, you will find true rest. We always are looking for rest. Rest doesn't come from spending more time on social media. It doesn't come from binging more shows. True rest doesn't come from the types of things that we normally are prone to chase after. True rest comes when we yoke up with Jesus. The rest that we need for our souls. That is what an actual Sabbath is, is spending time with Jesus, finding rest for our souls. Jesus welcomes us in with him. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned the book, Gentle and Lowly. It is all written from this passage. I cannot encourage you enough to get that. So it seems hard on the outset, but Jesus welcomes us in. He is doing the work for us. God, who is over all things, is overseeing this. God gave us Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for us, to be the Savior that we so desperately need, and we enter in with him, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to work through us. Going back to Romans 12, he tells us not to be conformed by the world, meaning don't let the world change you into what it wants, but rather be transformed, meaning it starts in the inside. Again, nothing that we can do, but we sit back, we hand over the reins of our life to God. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life, and it is him at work that starts to change and transform us, and it affects the world around us. 
We are never alone. Another incredible promise of Jesus as he's entering back to earth, he says, and I am with you always. Again, it seems hard on the outside, but when we start to examine all that God has done, is doing, and will do for us, it becomes the easy way with the best eternal ramifications that you could possibly ever have. We are never alone, but we become a conduit allowing God to work in us and through us to demonstrate just how powerful he is when he uses a sinner like me. Oftentimes we say, but I don't know how God can use me. That's how he does it, to demonstrate his power. Even though we are called to the way that is more difficult, if God is leading and God is guiding and God is strengthening and God is encouraging and on and on and on, it is all up to him. We just have to continually sacrifice ourselves, a living sacrifice to him, and allow him to guide us. So far, we've gone through two choices, the wide and narrow gate. Who are you choosing to follow? Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you taken that step to believe that Jesus is who he says he is that, and make him the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? We have two ways, the hard way or the easy way. We make those choices daily throughout the day. Number three, the next choice of two, are the large and small crowds. The large and small crowds. Notice what Jesus says. Many enter through it. The first crowd is many, a lot of people. And then he goes, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Many and few, large and small crowds. Which crowd are you choosing? And the Bible uses this reference quite often. If you want, you can change over to Psalms 1. Psalms 1 with me, we've talked a lot through Psalms 1. Uh, It sets up the entire book of Psalms. But listen to the words. And again, the large and small crowds. Notice how uh, David writes this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction." We'll talk about that as we read through Matthew 7. Next week, when we talk about true and false prophets, true and false disciples, and he keeps using that terminology of the fruit, the fruit, the fruit. The fruit tells you what type of a person it is, but the fruit also tells you what person you are. Notice the person who walks in the right crowd. They are like a tree planted by water, meaning they are well-nourished by the living water that is Jesus Christ. And when you are well-nourished, it says that its fruit shows up in season. That the leaf doesn't wither. It is always properly nourished. Speaking of fruits, you can flip to Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 26, a passage we read pretty often. As we look to what is a good bearing fruit, what is the crowd that we should find ourselves in, but also where do we find ourselves? How do we check our emotions or check 
where we are. Paul writes, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is a different lifestyle than what the world offers. One of self-control, peace, love, joy, forgiveness, confrontation, self-awareness, allowing others to speak into our lives things that we just don't like to do. We don't like sitting in a group of people and telling them, boy, I really messed up this week. Or having people tell us how we could do better throughout the week. That's not a natural thing for me. It may be for you. But when we're choosing which crowd we run in, a lot of times we run to the crowd that we are most comfortable in. We run to the crowd that everybody else is doing this. But when we're looking at the crowds that we run in and we look and we have to examine ourselves and it comes best with a group of people who are honest with us and we look at ourselves and say, what fruit am I portraying? What fruit are the people that are closest and nearest and dearest to me portraying, we find out really quickly what is influencing us. Is it the large crowd or the small crowd? And then the fourth choice of two, the way of life or the way of destruction. All of these choices that we make lead to one of these, the way of life or the way of destruction. The choices we make are a reflection of what path we are on. One thing that is for sure, eventually our life ends. And the decisions that we made in life will determine our final destination. That decision of whether you are going to follow Christ. That decision of believing in him. And following after him, believing that he did everything that needed to be done and accomplished, and we follow him. Or that decision we make where we reject Christ, and we follow after the things of this world. If you believe that Jesus is the forgiver of your sins and leader of your life, 
then your life will reflect that in your actions. You are on that road where you are being a little more cautious. Your decisions and the speed in which you travel are all of a sudden being checked regularly. You have a tendency to look closer to where you're going. When we follow after the world, it may appear easy because you're just doing what everybody else is doing. You're chasing the same things that everybody else is chasing. You're going full throttle through it, thinking eventually it'll be nicer. But both of those roads end at some point. And the destination that we arrive at isn't always the destination we had hoped for. So if you're here and you have never chosen to enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, we pray, and the reason we do everything that we do is to help you understand how much God loves you, how much Jesus sacrificed for you so that you didn't have to pay the price and to enter into that relationship with him. You see, Jesus is ushering in his kingdom here. And he is inviting everyone to be a part. But he is also explaining that it only truly happens when there is a change of heart. The heart change only happens because of God's power through the Holy Spirit when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We just celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago. Hopefully you celebrate Easter every day. We celebrate what Jesus accomplished, that he defeated sin and death. And by defeating sin and death, this reveals his power over everything. There is nothing that has more power than Jesus Christ. We as humans choose to rely on his power, his abilities, and even though living, representing the kingdom can seem difficult, Bringing glory to God in what we say, think, and do is what we were explicitly created for. God is offering us, saying, this is how I created you. I created you to bring glory to me in everything, and when you follow me, you are now doing exactly what you were created and designed for. Everything that has happened in our life has been done so that God can reflect just how powerful he is. We, in turn, reflect that glory back to him. Jesus says, going back to Matthew 11, come to me. Again, if you have not made that decision to follow him, we beg, please come and talk to one of us. Please come and ask us the questions that you want to ask after the service tonight. We'll be at the connection table or up here. Please come, ask us those questions. But if you have chosen to follow Christ, if you have chosen to enter through that narrow gate maybe years ago, ask yourself, what is your life looking like? Are you bearing fruit in season? When the opportunity presents itself, is that fruit that we read in Galatians 5? We're going to talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. Are you daily preaching yourself the gospel? Do you start off and humbly understand who God has created you to be? That it is all him. When we walk through the Lord's Prayer, we start off every day saying, everything I do, I want to hallowed, make, make God's name hallowed in everything that I do. To bring him the glory. Everything we do is a decision to either build God's kingdom or our own kingdom. And we cannot do both at the same time. 
If you're a believer, I want to ask you right where you are this evening, we're just going to take a moment where you are, and as we started in just this time of silent prayer, if you haven't noticed, we were trying to incorporate more time of just you praying to God silently, right where you are. Our weeks are busy. Sometimes we don't take that time. Sometimes when we get to church and we say, we're going to take a moment just to prepare our hearts, that's the first time you've taken a moment that week. So we're going to ask you to do that again right now. We're going to have a moment of prayer, just you talking to God, you spending time reflecting on your relationship with Him. I'll close in prayer, and then we will go into another song. So right where you are, I want you to talk to God right now.